Talk, Michael Glab here. From my own personal interview archives, here's a conversation I had in 2016 with the musicians Ginger Curry and Jason Fickle. The vast majority of this ensuing conversation has never been heard on air before, so here we go. Jason and Ginger. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. A musical duo, and they, they love to sing and they love to play. Yes. Uh, Jason Fickle, guitarist extraordinaire. Thank you very much. That's me. <laughs> Ginger Curry, canary extraordinaire. Ooh, so true. I've never been called a canary before. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you like wish it. we used terminology like that again? I do. Isn't I do like that. It's, I like that. Yeah. It's very... Um, kind of uh, P.T. Barnum and expressive. It's colorful. <laughs> it's Very colorful. colorful. How about uh, Chanteuse? Chanteuse. She is a Chanteuse. <laughs> yeah, that's true. She can be a Chanteuse. Ooh. I'm not exactly sure what that means. I have to look that up. We'll have to look that up when we leave. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we want to talk about music, where you came from. I understand what very little I know about you, Ginger, mm-hmm. is that you come from Kentucky. So let's talk a little bit about that when we get there. Yeah. Uh, you're from Kansas. You're, you're both from the K-States. That's true. We are, yes. K. Is there another one besides Kansas I and Kentucky? Kansas and Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky, Kansas. No, nope. that's, that's all. K-U. You know, K-U. when they play each other, nobody knows who to pass <laughs> the ball to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let us start with Ginger Curry. First off, Ginger, I love your name. You know, Thank it you. Is, it's too... <laughs> herbs or spices yeah uh, i'm a spicy dish if i were if i if they were to do it with me it would be uh, like garlic tomato sauce garlic, you know I mean? tomato. <laughs> yeah. garlic tomato anyway uh ginger is that your given name my given name is virginia uh-huh. but uh as as soon as i was born my my mom um, kind of christened me ginger so my my birth certificate says for virginia but i've always been ginger Born in Kentucky, whereabouts? Born in South Alabama. <laughs> oh, born in South Alabama. Well, yeah. So uh, Kentucky's later. Kentucky's later. South uh, Alabama. South Alabama. Wow, yeah. that's close to the Gulf. Or, or, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I was actually born maybe in Middle Alabama. I was born in Selma. Middle Alabama. Middle, that sounds like like middle, a Tolkien. You know, uh, yeah, it does. Uh, it was novel. the Middlelands. Middle, middle Earth. But middle. Uh, my parents are both from South Alabama, uh-huh. uh, and I was born in Selma. So how did you wind up in Kentucky? My father decided to go to the seminary. And so the Southern Baptist Seminary is in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Right. And uh, he... Home of Thomas Merton, Louisville, That's Kentucky. Right. Was. Yeah. That's right. And uh, so he has an uh, what they call an MDiv in music. So he has uh, his master's degree in, in music from the Southern Seminary. That was kind of my influence. Very neat. Well, that brings up an interesting thing because... Uh, Jason is married to someone who teaches <laughs> about religion. Yes, is that just a, a silly coincidence? Just a coincidence. Oh, it just is. Just a coincidence. So you yep. didn't meet uh, in any way through that? Not really. Okay. No, I don't think so. We met in a that. bar here yeah. in Bloomington. Yeah, we met in a bar yeah. <laughs> is that what you divinity people do? <laughs> yes, that's exactly. That's exactly that's what we right. do. Right. Which bar? Well, it's it used to be right. called the uh, Cellar Lounge. Mm-hmm. It occupies a space that's now the Bishop, is that right? Right over here yes. in the corner. Right. The Cellar Lounge had an open mic 
15 yeah, years ago. Yeah, 2000s, I believe. Yeah, I believe so. 2000. And you were callow youths yes, at the time. Yes, we were very young and Barely strumming, legal. Very legal, barely playing legal. guitar. Ginger was playing at that time with a, um, and still does sometimes, with I would call an old-time bluegrass band, mm-hmm. Jansen Jones and the Blooming Tones. Yes. They would often show up at the open mic, and then I did as well. I think we sang together a couple times way back then. Mm-hmm. And then our paths kind of separated. Is that yes, right? Yes, because you, you, you went away for a little while and then came back. That's true. We yeah. spent one year in uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts, home uh, of Harvard University. That's not Kentucky. <laughs> it's a long ways from Kentucky. <laughs> that's not South Central Indiana. No. no, it's not. No, it's not. What were you doing up there? Well, my wife had a one-year position at Harvard University and um, so yeah so we moved to um, Massachusetts for a year that was good I got to see and play a lot of different open mics and venues in the Northeast so while you're doing this open mic stuff yeah does this imply that to that point you'd never made a penny on your music I think I don't know if I'd ever made a penny not really I mean, um, it seems like there's a lot of, um, you know, uh, money in and money out. (laughs) Right? What about you? Yeah, you know, I did not start singing out other than churches until around that time. So I I, uh, have an education degree. You were in the closet. I was in the closet. Education degree. I have a music education degree from the University of Louisville. I had taught a high school choir for a while. Uh, and then I had, uh, right around that time, that was when I retired, I have air quotes, retired mm-hmm. from uh, teaching and decided that maybe it was time to start singing in public. Well, why a, did you retire? I, I found that maybe my talents lied in the performance side <laughs> as opposed to the teaching side. So you wanted to be on stage. Yes, yes. You ever hear the old Lenny Bruce line? I don't know. The, the, the Lenny Bruce line is uh, basically every performer is just saying, hey, Ma, look at me. <laughs> it's true. It's true, yeah. yeah. You know what um, a Redneck's last words are oftentimes? Watch this. Yes, exactly. <laughs> hey, y'all, check this out. Check this hey, out. Hey, y'all, check this out. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, yeah. uh, living in Kentucky, what <laughs> I did, uh, they always tell horrible demeaning jokes about Tennesseans. Right. Tennesseans tell the same jokes <laughs> about Kentuckians. They cannot be repeated, even in private, for gosh sakes. Uh, you know, we'll be struck by lightning <laughs> if we hear these. Mm-hmm. It's horrifying. So you wind up in Kentucky, and then somehow you wind up in southern Indiana. Yes. Is, was that a, a straight uh, shot, or were there other states? Uh, no, it was a straight shot. Actually, okay. it was a... I graduate. My parents... My parents insisted that I graduate college before I get married. Oh. So uh, I... Uh, what did they do? My mother was a nurse, and my father was a Southern Baptist minister slash music yeah. teacher. Right, so because he had that music, music divinity. Yeah. MDiv music. MDiv. So he yeah. was an educator and a preacher. Uh-huh. So yeah. they said graduate from college. Graduate from college, and then you can get married. And so... Um, my husband, so were you aching to get married? Was that the deal? Or? No, but I did have a long, a long time boyfriend. Uh-huh. So, uh huh. But um, but so I graduated from college, got married. He was already living here in Indiana, 
and then so I just moved the husband. The husband. Yes. Is that the same husband that we speak of now? This is it the is. same husband that we. So speak you're of like now. one of those three people on earth who has not divorced. Exactly. I met my husband when I was 11 years old. Wow. Jeez Louise. <laughs> <laughs> I got this. That's that's amazing. <laughs> but I will tell you this: uh, uh -huh. I am a very good ex-husband. Oh, very good. Oh, that's great. My ex-wives love me. They love you. That's oh, great. I go to their weddings. It, it, oh, that's it, wonderful. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's nice. Born in Kansas? Mm. Yes, born in Kansas. Yep, and uh, all uh, both sides of my family from Kansas. One set from northwestern Kansas, and one set from southeast Kansas. So it was just like it was like the sharks and the jets. Uh, yes, uh, exactly. Uh, yeah, very yeah. opposite ends of the. Uh, yep. of what did what did your parents do besides um, bring you into the world? Yeah, I, nothing else really. No, <laughs> no. <I'm> just, <laughs> what else is there to do? Because that's a lot of work. Yeah. No, my father was a community mental health center counselor. Oh. Um, a small town community mental health counselor. So, and my mom was a school secretary. And they retired, and they still live in Gunnison. Well, they live in Gunnison, Colorado. So we moved to Colorado later, and mm. so I was I, I was in um, Colorado for a lot of grade school through high school. Are your parents still with us, uh, Ginger? Yes, they're both in South Alabama. They lived. They, they were went in, back. They went back yeah, after yeah. they retired. They both. Uh, What's so wonderful about South Alabama that would bring them back, or was it just the smell of home? It, it was family. Oh. Uh, there's. Uh, Aunts and uncles. So the whole gang is yeah. down there. Family, yeah. Yeah. But your gang is in Colorado now. Yes, yep, Colorado, that's right. My sister lives in Col in uh, Aurora, suburb of Denver, Colorado. What did you study in school? Well, um, high school, I, I, I did a lot of great studies in high school. And then um, <laughs> and then I was all set to go to the university. I don't believe <laughs> I did. I studied many things, and guitar playing was one of them. And um, when did you start playing guitar? Oh, good question. I started playing guitar when I was ten or eleven, maybe even a little earlier than that, because I was. Um, two things happened at the same time in the world, which were amazing. Which was there was a show on TV called Hee Haw. Yes, fantastic mm. show. At Roy the, Clark. Absolutely, and at the same time, the Roman Catholic Mass instituted guitar playing during Mass. Yes. So it was just a real intersection of my world there. So I saw these people, you know, at Sunday Mass playing guitar. And on Hee Haw. That got you going. So I thought, I, I got to do some variation of that's that. That's when thing. they started doing the Mass in English, Exactly, too, that's right? right, yeah. And yeah. facing the uh, the priest to the congregation exactly. as opposed to his back to the congregation. Yeah, yeah, all, and no more Latin. So you're a Catholic. Yes, yes. And what is your, uh, if I may, your religious background? My religious background is Southern Baptist. Southern Baptist. Mm -hmm. Martin Luther King's. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, it's true. Gang. Gang. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you went to the University of Louisville. You went to be an educator. Mm -hmm. You worked as an educator for a while. And then you decided you wanted to sing. But you don't you don't have to learn how to sing, do you? The guy has to learn. He has to go buy a guitar. He has to learn how to play the guitar. All you have to do is get on stage. Am that's, I right? That's very true. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, one of the things that a lot of people do ask me, they ask me if I've studied after I've, they've heard me sing. So I was classically trained. Oh. But I guess singing is a little more intuitive, though, because, I mean, I was singing in the church since I was five, was in the adult choir by the time I was 11, you know, singing solos on Sunday mornings. 
it's just something that was always a part of my experience. You know, breathing has a lot to do with yeah, singing. Breathing does. And it's interesting. <laughs> have you ever heard this uh, story? Frank Sinatra used to sing with the uh, Harry James hmm. band, and uh, Frank Sinatra said he learned a lot about breathing between phrases and so forth from Harry James, who had uh, who had come up with innovative ways of breathing while playing the. Hmm. A trumpet. Wow. And he would breathe out of the sides of his uh, mouth uh, uh. while he was attached to the mouthpiece and so forth. Very mm. interesting. So, do you know any tricks for breathing? No, I just take a nice deep breath. <laughs> well, and I can belt say, it out. I can say actually that uh, Ginger has taught me a lot about singing since we started working together, really. And a lot of it's about breathing. And remember the exercises that we do uh, sometimes? Our little bu- lip buzzing. Yeah, let's do that now. <laughs> we do some of that. That's real a showbiz secret <laughs> a, for you. Yeah, what does I mean, it do? I don't know. It gets the nerves out and gets my breath going. <laughs> <laughs> it, en- it engages your uh, diaphragm. Oh, really? gets the airflow yep. going. Um, no and re- it relaxes the throat also. Yeah. Yeah. And it takes a lot of energy to actually buzz your lips. There's a great air. book and documentary out about the Monterey uh, Pop Festival. Ah. When it be- it was huge... I think in 66 it it was gigantic because all these huge new stars came by among whom were the mamas and papas. Mm. Oh yeah. And what was fascinating is you think ah these hippies rock and rollers they just get up and they do it. Oh man, these people mm. worked for a long time before uh-huh. They went on stage. Yeah. You know, backstage they would warm do these and... various warm-ups and so forth. What kind of warm-ups do you do? Uh, usually a shot of whiskey. Get out of here. <laughs> Sometimes that happens. I, I, I agree. Not every time. Not every time. You know, uh, I, I'm a little embarrassed to say that I don't have much of a warm-up regime. You uh, don't? No. But, you know, you don't, do a, you don't that. do a... A, a loud belt out just to make sure that all things are working. No, not not yet in my yeah. life. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's I, fascinating. I did know. I, I when I was teaching, you know, when you're teaching, you know, you're you're singing every day, and so mm. I really think that uh, having that experience and building up the muscles that way and continuing to sing daily really keeps your throat So every healthy. day is a warm-up. Every day that's is true. a warm-up. I yeah. guess that's, yeah. That that's is, interesting. Yeah. What every about you? What do you do before? Uh, well, um, I do, I try to do these breathing exercises. And, the, um, the yeah, thing, exactly. Yeah. I try to do some of that. And then I, um, I try to get my fingers going um, by touching each finger one by one to its opposing thumb. And yeah, then, yeah. And that's, that's a, good a good one for me, too, just to get uh, moving. Yeah, and then it's a lot about breathing and concentration. Concentration, that's the hardest thing. Hmm. And But, you know, so you have to get yourself into a frame of concentration, frame of mind. Pure concentration. Yeah. No matter if there's 50,000 people out there, which you regularly play in front of. Uh, Probably not. Occasionally the 40, farmer's market has yeah. that many people, actually. <laughs> yeah. You play at the farmer's market. Yes, we do. We play. Luckily, we play once or twice a year at the farmer's market. Once yeah. or twice a year. Yep. yep. And uh, people say, look, there they are. It's true. He, someone uh, t- texted me the other day, and they were jogging, 
and they thought they heard my voice at the farmer's market. And they're going, are you at the farmer's market? And I was like, no, I'm still in my jammies. <laughs> they're like, maybe I thought, she heard you. They go, I thought I heard your voice. <laughs> the farmer's market's great. We get a lot of, uh, a lot of people get to hear us mm, yes. um, when the weather's good. And, um, you know, it's fun. It's a fun environment. It's part of the great community. Now, uh, speaking of being always prepared as you speak, mm-hmm. Booker T., who actually went to Indiana University. That's right. Booker T. is 80-something years old, yeah. mm. and he told an interviewer not long ago he still does his scales, his mm. complete set wow. of scales, wow. every day. Wow. Can that's you imagine great. that? Wow, that's great. Discipline. That is good discipline. What about you? Do you do that? No, I do not. Well, get on it. <laughs> <laughs> I should, I should. If Booker T. does it, I mean, at least I could do half of them, right? Gee. <laughs> We're slacking. <laughs> yes, exactly. So you got together somehow. You were doing these open mic deals. Yep. And what convinced the two of you to say, I want to make music with that so-and-so? Well, it seems like we had, it seems like about five, we're a little fuzzy on the timeline, five or six years ago. We tell people we've been singing together for a couple of years, but mm-hmm. we started saying that for two or three years. I know. So I think it's, <laughs> I think it's actually five or six years now. Yeah. Um, for some reason, things kind of lined up. Um, the stars we all, we would run into each other at different venues and different situations, and then it kind of lined up to throw in together. And then we, uh, a spark was we represented the Crossroads Blue Indiana Crossroads Blues Society at the International Blues Challenge. Wow! In Memphis, Tennessee. Neither mm. one of us. Was blood drawn in that? No, no, no. no, no, It's true. It 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 has that ring to it, though, doesn't Mm -hmm. it? Yeah. Neither one of us loves genre or competition in music, but there we were at the Blues Challenge. Wow. (laughs) So we went down to Memphis and we made it. We made it past the into the what what round was that? The semifinals. We made it into the semifinals. Wow. So that was very fun. What could you have won had you won? Sure I'm not you, sure what you're I'm not sure what you just <laughs> bragging rights. Maybe. A new yeah, car. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> we should look into what you might have won. Yeah, one. yeah. So you know, that I was be, good. I, I've been meaning to ask you this. Uh-huh. What is Barrel House? Mm. You know, I'm not really sure. Well, they they call you a Barrel House. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, Canary. A Barrel House Canary. Chanteuse. <laughs> Chanteuse. You know, uh, Mike Kelsey, uh, Colonel Kelsey. He call, he call, he says that I'm a belter. A belter. A belter. I love so that. So he, he's, because uh, well, been, we've been working with the Firehouse Follies for a while, and he usually picks out songs. He'll pick out a song for me to sing every once in a while, and usually they're they're a belty type of song. Oh, like You've Been a Good Old Wagon. Yeah, like, yeah, yes, exactly. A Bessie Smith song. A Bessie Smith song. Yeah. But, um... I think Barrel House is a, uh, it's, well, it, now it's the term often... There's a certain kind of piano playing, boogie-woogie piano playing. Yes. It's called oh. Barrel House. Uh, but I, yeah. but I, I think it actually kind of means like juke joint or right, uh, right. Barrel House. Right, uh, and yeah, sort, of a, sort of a not as respectable right. maybe uh, at a certain time in yes. our history. Yeah, not, not like a nightclub. Barrel meaning a beer barrel. Right. They, 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 there Literally, were beer yeah. barrels all around. Yeah, there's no time to bottle the beer. It's <laughs> just, just drink, it. drink it straight out of the barrel. Drink it yeah. straight out. I think I, I have... I have a nice developed um, mid-range uh-huh. that can flip into a, a very developed um, high range. That is true. So my chest and my head voice blend are blended, mm-hmm. and so I I, can, I get a lot of power. So as I was, we were kind of joking earlier, like you might not be able to hear me speak very loud, but if I was singing, 
I could get pretty loud. Mm-hmm. I, so I think it has it has a little to do with that. I do I can have a big voice. Yeah. Uh, I can I can sing louder than the instruments if I need that is to. true. Uh, if yeah. I need to. Yeah. If there's a competition. If there's yeah. a competition, <laughs> I can right. uh, I can belt it out there. That's right. What did you dream of doing as a young man? Mm. My, um, I was always a, always wanted to play guitar. I wanted to, um, I wanted to put on a hat, drive somewhere, and play music. And you do wear hats. I do. I'm a hat guy. <laughs> and I'm surprised yeah. you're not wearing a hat today. That's true. I, I have a, I have a rule. I never leave the house without a hat mm-hmm. of some kind. But I, but yes, I left it in the car on the way in, absentmindedly. Yeah, so that's what I wanted to do. And in fact, I was so obsessed with blues music in high school in Western Colorado before the internet. So there was yep. no way to get any information or video or audio clips. The At that time, the blues record market had kind of collapsed. And so a bunch of European labels were buying up blues records and reissuing them. So I would buy a, like a Chicago blues record by like Little Walter, yes. but all the liner notes would be in Italian. <laughs> so I, I would skim through. I never really learned Italian, but I, I think that's, I tried to, you know, mm. understand what this, what these words might mean. I was so obsessed with it. So then I was all set to go to college at the University of uh, uh, CU, Colorado University of Boulder, mm-hmm. fine school. And then there was a newspaper article that came out my senior year in high school. It was uh, an AP Associated Press wire story that said, Blues Revival Underway in Mississippi. Mm. So I applied to the University of Mississippi, Ole Miss. That alone yeah. sent you to Yes, I Ole applied. Miss. And, and um, I, whereas I might have, I had good grades in high school. And so they gave me a scholarship. And so we went down with my parents and checked it out. And I was completely, completely hooked. So I went to college there and then spent, uh, I worked during the week in the Blues Archive that was founded there. And then on the weekends, I spent a lot of time with traditional blues musicians in the Delta and in the Hill Country, parts of Mississippi. So I learned directly from these guys. Unbelievable. Yep. You know, there was, uh, you know, th- 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 there's like a migration of blues players up the Mississippi yeah. River, starting at the Delta, yep. you know, uh, Johnson and so forth, uh, yes. Robert Johnson, right, am I right? Right, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And uh, then, you know, stopping off at uh, Memphis and doing things there and then heading farther even north up to Chicago there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, There's a big connection to Chicago. Many of the blues guys in Chicago would tell me cross streets, you know, addresses like, you know, 64th and Cottage or something. Yeah. And I had no idea what they were talking about because I had never been to Chicago in my life at that point. But I, there, were a there lot was such of, a big connection there. There were a lot of huge live music places on 47th Street. 47th, right. At like Teresa's yeah. and uh, the Checkerboard and so forth. Yeah. Historic places. And then, of course, uh, on South Michigan Avenue, about south of Roosevelt Road, there were these small recording studios like Chess yeah. and so forth. Yes. That actually the Rolling Stones recorded uh, uh, music at with yes. the blues players. Yeah. What do you think about the fact that certain uh, blues players think that these white rock and rollers took their stuff but didn't give them enough credit. Yeah, it's a very complicated issue. I've I've contemplated this for many, many years because we, first of all, the songwriting publishing was often not held by the blues artists themselves. 
So it was held, it would be the public, they may have sold the songwriting rights to the producer or may not have written the songs. So then if you don't own the songwriting rights, then the performance rights aren't, aren't as strong. And right. so, and then the other thing though, that's kind of, kind of tough to realize is that as great as traditional blues is, as Chicago blues made on the South side or West side, when the British guys or some of the other uh, white guys from Chicago, when they recorded it, it did have a bigger appeal. It just yes, did. Yeah. It just did. It yeah. just it. They. I wouldn't say necessarily that they softened the edges <laughs> or it, but it just had. It was more a, a broader appeal um, for some people, even the exact same lyrics and exact same arrangements. But somehow uh, it just had a different feel and it had a bigger appeal. So it's hard to say. I don't think a Muddy Waters was ever going to be a superstar mm -hmm. in the 1960s the way the Rolling Stones were. Right. Now, Ginger, are are you as much of an historical geek? <laughs> as this fella is about the blues or whatever genre. No, I am. A, I am just a learner. I uh, I let Jason tutor me on all things blues. <laughs> let me ask you this: On your way here, uh -huh. did you drive? Yes. Did you have music in the car? No. If you did, <laughs> what might it be? Yeah, what might it be these days? <laughs> Besides this uh, disc here, right, right. It would be Korean pop music. K-pop. Yeah, Ginger's yeah. <laughs> yes. gotten really into K-pop. Sometimes we listen to K-pop on the road. I, yeah, I make yeah. Jason listen to K-pop on Have the road. Have you ever seen those videos on YouTube? Yeah, I, I have. Mean, Thanks to Jimmy. We, we actually, <laughs> actually, I was in Los Angeles last or two weekends ago at a K-pop festival. No. Yeah, yes, yeah. I was in L.A. for a Korean convention. I'm going to put a stop to this yeah. right now. <laughs> Okay. Are you pulling my no, leg? No, I'm no, not. she was there. She I'm has not. pictures and everything. I have pictures everything. Why? What, what, is, a, what it, is it about it? It's the... Yeah, what is it about K-pop? I, like I like rap music. I okay. like hip-hop music. And American hip-hop music, the majority of it is so disparaging to women that I can't listen to it. A little bit. And so yeah. <laughs> the, the Korean culture, they're still coming... They're still a little more innocent and naive, not naive, but innocent. They're a little more innocent. So I can, I can like the K-pop, I can like yeah. the rap and the hip-hop music, and they're not saying bitches and hoes and... But there is, uh, I notice, a little bit of objectification. No, oh, there's lot a lot of, bit of, of there's a lot of objectification yeah. for the uh, the young men and for the women. I mean, actually, In both the, ways. Both ways. Oh, yeah. Okay. Actually, the men may be in some ways more than... No kidding. Yeah. Interesting. The men, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, because... Yeah. What do you think about all this uh, K-pop now? K-pop, well, I knew nothing about... This was completely... I, I was completely ignorant of this, and Ginger has broadened my perspective. Well, it's about time. Yes, it's so yeah. true. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I know. See, my husband is a fifth-degree black belt in Hapkido and Taekwondo, and so that, those are Korean martial arts. And so I won't start a fight with him. Okay. Yeah, he's a and good so, guy to have on your team. Yeah. So there was a time when he got a little upset with. He works for the government, and he got a little upset, and he goes, "Go research what it takes to teach English in Korea," because wow. I'm thinking about a career change. And so is he a spy or what? No, no, oh. no, no. <laughs> is he a spy? I've never asked. No, him. <laughs> no, he's not. But do you know what he does? Just I do know. You, you I do know. know. Okay. I but do know. so we started researching, like what. What do you need to do to teach English in Korea? Wow. I would like to thank Ginger Curry, oh. the Chanteuse, the Canary, <laughs> yes. the Belter, 
Jason Fickle, the picker, the strummer. Thank you very mm -hmm. much. Thank, Thank you. you so much for having us. Oh, it's yes. been our pleasure. Thank you very much. So much fun.